Well, dear friends, it's a, a wonderful uh, blessing and privilege uh, for me to address you all uh, this morning at this conference. And uh, we come, of course, uh, this morning to consider uh, this uh, tremendous subject and tremendous theme before us, authentic Christianity or cultural surrender. That is uh, the choice before us. What will the modern church choose? Authentic Christianity or cultural surrender? And so uh, in uh, bringing the keynote address to you, I thought it would be helpful at the very start of this conference to define what authentic Christianity actually is, because uh, this is a great part of the problem that we are addressing today, that uh, there are so many in the modern church, and uh, many who would profess to be Christians, who are not actually clear on what authentic Christianity is, what it means. So in setting the scene for the conference this morning, uh, we must uh, first of all endeavor to ascertain what that is. And our purpose in doing this, and this is something uh, very important that we need to lay out right at the start, our purpose in addressing these things is uh, not to uh, divide Christians, not to split churches or bodies of believers. Our aim is to get all Christians on the same side. And really, uh, just by way of introduction, this is my first heading, that authentic Christianity seeks unity. Authentic Christianity seeks unity. The Apostle Paul wrote in his first letter to the Corinthians, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. For well, this is our great desire, that we all agree on what is presented here today. John chapter 7 has just been read, and uh, we remember the prayer of our Lord concerning his people, keep them through thine own name, those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. So we want to honor that prayer of the Lord Jesus Christ this day. We're not seeking to sow seeds of division. That is uh, what the world does. That's what the culture does. The world wants to uh, create division. The culture is terribly uh, divisive. That's the fruit of modern culture. It's division. And so uh, our aim today is to resist the culture and uh, endeavor to establish unity, that we're all on one side, and that, of course, is the Lord's side. As Christians, we must be found on the Lord's side. So I mentioned that just at the very beginning of this message and uh, at the beginning of this conference, just so you have uh, the right understanding of our purpose here uh, today. Authentic Christianity is unity, but that's just my introductory theme. There are further headings that make up the main body of this message, and the first of these headings is uh, this. Authentic Christianity is spiritual. Is spiritual. Fairly obvious, but uh, we want to start simple and work our way up. 
When somebody comes to Christ, when they are saved, well, uh, they are spiritual people. They have been born again. They have a new nature, a nature they did not have before. They have spiritual tastes, spiritual desires. They are born of the Spirit, and uh, they have the Holy Spirit dwelling within them, as the Apostle Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, verse 9, Ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. So a true believer has the Spirit of God dwelling in them, but notice what is said about uh, uh, the one who has not the Spirit of Christ. He is none of his. And uh, uh, this is something that we need to mention because uh, one of the things we can say about the state of the modern church is that there are an increasing number of people who do not truly have the Spirit of God. They do not have uh, the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. They have not been born again. They are not new creations in Christ, even if they say they are. If they do not have the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And this is something that we do have to affirm in our preaching, in our churches. There is uh, a tendency, I think, to be reluctant to question people or challenge people on this point. And that has come from the culture in which we live. Because uh, in the culture in which we live, well, we are uh, uh, supposed to simply accept that people are who they say they are or who they feel they are, or who they decide they are. We're not supposed to challenge that. If they say there's something, well, we just accept it. And that has crept into the church a little. If somebody just says they're a Christian, don't challenge it. Don't probe too hard. Don't delve a little deeper. If they say they're a Christian, just accept it. You're not there to challenge it. That's not very nice. That's not very kind. That's all come from the culture. Whoever somebody says, whenever somebody says that they are this, you accept it. And so that's started to come into the church. If somebody simply says they're a Christian, don't delve any deeper, don't challenge them, don't probe, because, uh, well, we don't have any right to doubt their claim. And the result is, of course, that the churches, well, they are increasingly full of those who are nominal uh, believers, there are increasingly fewer authentic Christians. And uh, this is a, a great problem. And this is something that we have to address most certainly uh, in the time before us today. But authentic Christianity, well, it will be spiritual, as I've already mentioned. The authentic Christian will be spiritually minded. Spiritually minded. They will not think like the world. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Those were the words of the Apostle Paul, of course, in Romans 12. And that is what has happened to an authentic Christian. He has had his mind renewed. He no longer thinks like the world. He thinks like Scripture. He has a scriptural mindset. You see what happens uh, very uh, commonly in uh, the church nowadays is that people have worldly views 
And when they read the scripture, they interpret the scripture according to their worldly views, according to the worldly culture around them. They look at the culture and they look at the scripture and they interpret the scripture according to what the world thinks. But an authentic Christian, well, he starts with scripture. He assesses the world around him through the lens of scripture. He doesn't take the culture and, and, and read the scripture through, through that lens. His lens is the scripture. And that is the way in which he assesses the world around him and the culture around him. He thinks spiritually. He thinks scripturally. An authentic Christian has had his mind transformed and renewed. And an authentic Christian, well, is spiritual in the sense, of course, that his eyes are fixed on eternity. His eyes are fixed on eternity. If we are true believers, well, we are simply passing through this world. The nominal Christian, or we could say the carnal Christian, still has his eyes and his focus on this world, on this life. He must have everything here and now. And the church is full of people like this. But the authentic Christian world is very different. The authentic Christian, he can, for example, uh, forsake all of the world's pleasures. Why? Because he knows that there is eternal joy ahead of him. An authentic Christian, a spiritually minded Christian, has no real or great fear of death. Why not? Well, because there's eternal life ahead of him. A spiritually minded person, a spiritually minded Christian, has no great fear of death. He knows that Christ has purchased eternal life by his blood. A spiritually minded person, well, he can suffer injustice in this life. You look at the Word of God, you read the Old Testament and the New Testament, how the prophets uh, suffered injustice, how the apostles suffered injustice. How can they do this? Well, because they know that there is a day coming when justice will be done, that great and coming day, the Lord's day. We can suffer injustice now because Christ will come and everything will be well and good. But the carnal Christian or the world around us cannot suffer injustice. We must have justice now in this life, here and now. Social justice, bring it to us. Just this world, this life. But the spiritually minded person, well, he trusts that that day will come and will make amends for all. Romans 12, 9, which I should have read, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, saith the Lord. Justice will come one day. So this is, uh, well, just the start, really, my first heading. An authentic Christianity is spiritual. That is what... Uh, an authentic Christian is. And that's my first heading. But secondly, authentic Christianity, and this is very obvious as well, authentic Christianity is holy. It's holy. Now the church, of course, is called to reflect the holiness of God. In the Old Testament and the New Testament, 
We are made very uh, certain of this. Leviticus 11 and verse 45, For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. And this is repeated, of course, in the New Testament, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 15 to 16. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And even in uh, the letter to the Hebrews 12, uh, chapter 12, verse 14, we are told that none will uh, see God without holiness, follow peace with all men, and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. If we want to see the Lord's blessing and his work and his power in our lives and in our churches, well, uh, obviously, we must be holy. But there seems to be a shift away from holiness in uh, modern Christianity and in modern churches. And again, this has come from the culture around us. No longer is it such a great priority to be holy. Now the shift is on happiness. Happiness, not holiness. Happiness. And that comes from the culture around us. This is the great law. This is the nature of society and culture. This uh, self-centered principle, my happiness is the priority. Thou shalt be happy. If you had to uh, uh, create a law or define a law that is very prominent in our culture, that uh, is what it would be. Thou shalt be happy. Now, of course, uh, I say this, we desire all Christians to be happy, of course, or joyous is probably a better word. But the thing that we have to realize is true joy, true happiness can only actually come through holiness. It can only come through holiness, through obedience, through the uh, denial of oneself, denying oneself and submitting ourselves to the will of God. That's where true joy lies. And that is why there is no true joy in society. It tries and it tries and it's, it tries to be happy, tries to be contented, tries to be joyous, but it will always fail. Because true joy comes through holiness. And there's no holiness in society. And so this is what we have to understand. This is what we have to preserve in our churches. No true joy in society, only despair and bleakness because there is no holiness. The church is to be different. If we want joyous churches, blessed churches, we must be holy. We have to be holy, by the way, to fulfill that role that the Lord Jesus Christ gave us in being salt and light to the world. Matthew 5, verse 13. Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost his savour, wherewith shall it be salted? We are the salt of the earth. Well, there's a lot that we could say, obviously. Many wonderful sermons have been preached on what it means for the church to be the salt of the earth. Uh, one of the principles that's often given, salt is a, a preservative which uh, serves to prevent decay and corruption. 
in the world. That's part of our role, to uh, be a, a great influence on the world, to uh, stem the corruption, not to let the world influence us, but we are to be salt and light to the world, and how often we forget that. But we can only fulfill that role if we obey God's word alone. If we obey God's word alone. Now I mention this because uh, modern society has created a new morality or new ethical codes. They've rejected the word of God, they've rejected the Ten Commandments, and they've brought in new moralities, new ways of uh, being righteous, and these are all devised by men, and they're all based, most part, on social and political agendas. They're based even on uh, nations at times. We're constantly being told uh, uh, that we have to uphold British values. This is the new morality. Don't listen to the Bible, throughout the Bible, throughout the Ten Commandments, let's have British values instead. These are the new commandments. This is the new morality that's being brought in to this society. But we as Christians, of course, we must stick to the Word of God. That's our morality, that's our standard for holiness. The Word of God, not these other agendas and maxims and ethical codes. Because if we do not stick to the Word of God, well, the salt will lose its savour. That is what the Lord Jesus Christ warned against. But if the salt have lost his savour, wherewith shall it be salted? In other words, if we depart from the Word of God, well, there's no other replacement. Where else are we going to go? How else are we going to keep our saltiness, as it were? There is no other place. So we ignore the morality of the world and the culture and we cleave to the word of God. Otherwise, well, the Lord said that uh, we will lose our savour. It will be good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. And, uh, well, perhaps this describes the church or some churches in the modern time under the, uh, the subjugation of society of men and their new morality. But uh, the church must be holy. Now, my third heading, authentic Christianity is humble. Authentic Christianity is humble. Now, it goes without saying uh, that this world is very proud. And uh, this world thinks that there's nothing wrong with being uh, proud, with pride. We see the way that the culture uh, celebrates pride, pride marches and so on. We see how children are instructed uh, to be proud in schools, be proud of oneself and so on. And then we have, of course, the pride of unbelief in the world, the refusal to bow the knee to Christ, the rejection of the gospel. We don't need Christ. We don't need salvation. We are not sinners. We are good people. We, uh, uh, we deserve blessing. We deserve favor. We have rights. This is the, uh, uh, the state of society now. We are proud, proud people. Modern society, I deserve things, I have a right to something, I'm entitled. 
And while this is something that we have to guard against, worldly pride from infecting the church, I have seen, sadly, not many, but uh, every so often you see Christians who seem to have this, uh, this sense of entitlement, that they feel they deserve something. They uh, believe they are entitled to uh, prosperity or uh, high status in their workplace or in their church. I deserve this. I'm entitled to this. They deserve every blessing, a good home, a good life, and we must all acknowledge that. But the truth is, of course, the scriptural teaching is that we deserve nothing. That's what we deserve. All material blessings, all material possessions that we have, we don't deserve them. The comforts that we have, we don't deserve them. The families that we have, the life that we have, we don't deserve. In the holy sight of God, not one of us deserves to live a day longer than we already have. We don't deserve that. We're not entitled to that. And yet so many Christians believe they are entitled to all of these things. Every blessing, a long prosperous life, a comfortable death, that's what I deserve. And yet, well, when we look at the Scriptures, when we consider Christ, consider Christ, not ourselves, how was it for him? How was his earthly life? Did he have a long life? Did he have a comfortable death? Of course not. He had a life in which he was despised. He had a life in which he was constantly attacked. And then he was crucified on a Roman cross. And that was the sinless Son of God, the one who did actually deserve every blessing. The one who did actually deserve every blessing had that life, a man of sorrows, for us for wretches like us, so that we might receive all things by grace. That's what grace is, the undeserved mercy and favor of God. So when we start getting this attitude that we feel entitled to this and this and this, it doesn't come from Scripture. It comes from the culture. It comes from the world. And yet how easily it seems to infect us. I have a right to this. I have a right to that. The Lord humbled himself, even to the death of the cross. That's authentic Christianity, humbling oneself. No pride. That's what authentic Christianity is. We must be humble. We must be teachable. Again, something that I've noticed is that uh, Christians can be uh, uh, too proud to be challenged particularly on these issues that we uh, will be considering uh, today. They uh, think that we shouldn't be speaking about these things. Apparently preachers are only allowed to challenge unbelievers. If you're going to challenge somebody, just challenge the unbeliever. In the gospel messages, say what you want, but not to Christians. If I'm a Christian, you have no right to challenge my beliefs, to challenge the way I think, to challenge the way I live. Say what you want to the unbeliever, but not to me. I'm a Christian, I'm saved. That's a very proud attitude. Dear friends, we must humble ourselves. 
Yes, you are saved. Yes, it's wonderful to be saved. But you know there's also sanctification, which is the will of God for all of us. And yet, sadly, I think there are some Christians, perhaps quite a few people, a few Christians, who think that sanctification, that's beneath them. Don't talk to me about sanctification. That's beneath me. I'm a, I'm a mature Christian, you see. All of these things, they come into the church through the society. Pride, and it's crippling the churches. Authentic Christianity is humble. Now, fourthly, and I have to watch the time. Fourthly, authentic Christianity exhibits faith in God. Authentic Christianity exhibits faith in God. I should have stressed that part. Faith in God. One of the, uh, the pillars of the Protestant Reformation, or one of the five uh, solas, I should have said, we know sola scriptura and uh, sola gratia and so on, well, of course, we have uh, sola fide, which is uh, faith alone. And yet, when we examine uh, the world today and the churches today, I wonder how many Christians are truly walking uh, by faith alone. Faith alone in God. Because it seems to me increasingly that uh, everything that we declare and everything that we teach we uh, endeavor to seek, first of all, the approval of men or the corroboration of men. Now, let me give you an example of this. There has been a, a departure in belief in the six-day creation in recent years. God created the heaven and the earth in six days, as we all know, and rested on the seventh but it seems that uh, people are not willing to believe this unless the world believes it too. Unless the scientists give us their approval. If the scientists don't give us their approval that the world is created in six days, well, we can't just have faith. We can't just have faith alone in the scripture. We need to have the approval of the world. And so faith is being eroded. And other things we could mention also, gender roles. Well, we know what the Bible teaches about gender roles and so on, how the man is uh, the head of the family, but uh, we'll only declare it if the rest of the world is all right with it. If the rest of the world thinks like that, then we'll preach it happily. We won't have faith in the Word of God that it's actually true and right and worthy to be declared. Morality also, the Ten Commandments, I've already mentioned it. How much do we need the approval of the world when we declare these things? We must have more faith in the Word of God. If there is a clash, if there is a conflict between what the Word of God says and what men say, well, we must always side with the Word of God and have faith in the Word of God. Not seeking the corroboration of men. We'll wait until men approve it. Wait until the world is happy with it, and then we'll believe in it. That's not faith. Faith alone. Not, without, uh, not with man's approval. 
And it's becoming quite apparent, and this is the irony, that the world has more faith in its own religions than Christians do in theirs. Now, I'm not talking about uh, uh, the major world religions like Hinduism and Islam and so on. I'm talking about uh, the religions uh, that have uh, cropped up uh, very recently because you know things like gender identity and social justice and woke culture and critical race theory and even climate change you know these are new religions these are new religions you see the world has realized that life is so empty without God and these religions have been created to fill the void to give them purpose a sense of purpose something to live for and to die for something that uh, uh, imparts righteousness that's what these religions attempt to do if you're a social justice warrior you're a good person if you uh, support climate change you're a good person these religions they impart righteousness these are new religions and what is happening is the church is bringing in other religions into the church that ought not to be in the church there's only meant to be one religion and that is the religion of the Lord Jesus Christ he's the only one who gives us true righteousness imparts true righteousness to us dear friends this is so very vital let us not doubt our religion let us not doubt the word of god let us have faith because that is authentic christianity now fifthly only two more left we're going to six but fifthly authentic christianity will be persecuted authentic christianity will be persecuted do we understand this that if we are true to the word of god we will not be popular but our goal is not to seek po popularity that's not our aim to be popular you know when i was at school we would always have a gang of uh, cool kids or a group of cool kids and uh, there would always be one or two children or one or two people who would do anything that they could do to get in with the cool kids they were so desperate to be part of the gang they would go along with everything even if it was uh, unreasonable because they wanted to be accepted because they wanted to be liked please like me please like me and sometimes i have to say that the church reminds me of that of that person of that child trying to get in with the rest of the world please like me please like me we'll go along with everything everything that you want us to do everything you want us to say we just want to be popular that's what the modern church at times reminds me of but dear friends we must not be like uh, like children we must be more mature than that not de desperately seeking the popularity of the world the word of god says we will be persecuted second timothy chapter 3 verse 12 
all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Persecution. John 15, verse 20. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. These are the words of the Lord Jesus Christ, by the way. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. And so this is the reality of it. We have to expect this and not simply seek after popularity. And yet for us, authentic Christianity, authentic Christians, persecution is not a curse. Indeed, it has been continually noted throughout history that it is in times of persecution that we see the greatest growth, the greatest growth in the church. So even if we face difficult times, and we will face difficult times, we can be sure that the Lord will continue to add to the church daily such as should be saved. So persecution is not a curse. In fact, well, we know the words of the Lord, blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Authentic Christianity, you see? And finally, my last point, authentic Christianity will not be afraid. It will not be afraid. The greatest feature of our culture, our current culture, is not joy, it's not happiness, it's not freedom, it is fear. That is the great feature of this culture. People are fearful of a million and one things. The climate, their health, their wealth, their uh, politicians, elected or unelected, so fearful, fearful of saying anything, fearful of misgendering anyone, fear. And uh, well, we stand at the brink of a new year, 2024, you speak to people, nobody's optimistic about the new year. Everyone's full of fears that the world will get even worse, full of even more uh, loss and despair and darkness. There's no optimism in the world. But as Christians, well, we have a greater hope. We are constantly told and exhorted not to fear. We have so many promises, a million and one promises not to fear. Psalm 27 verse 1, just for example, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? No matter how dark uh, this world will be or will become, we remember that the Lord is our light and our salvation. Whom shall we fear? So why are we so fearful or why are we so prone to fear? It's a terrible witness to be fearful. When people see this, when people see a Christian having exactly the same fears as the rest of the world, as everybody else, they will say to themselves, well, what is the point of being a Christian? What is the profit of being a Christian? What's the advantage of being a Christian? They seem to be just as scared as everybody else. What a terrible witness. 
Authentic Christianity believes the promises of God and they will not be afraid. They will not be afraid of anything that the world can bring to them. A Christian, and I close with this, well actually he has a, a greater fear. The fear that the Christian has, authentic Christianity, has a fear of God. That's the fear that we are to have. Not the fear of men, not the fear of the world or anything that happens in the world. It's the fear of God. Do we fear that? Do we fear dishonoring the Lord? Do we fear taking his name in vain? Do we fear not believing his word and losing out on blessing? Do we fear that? Authentic Christianity does not fear men, does not fear the culture, it fears God. And as we continue with our series of lectures this day, this is how we go forth in the fear of God, bringing everything that we say to the Lord, seeking his blessing, seeking his smile upon us, not the fear of men, the fear of God. And so these are the things that I wanted to present to you simply to set the scene for the rest of our time together. May the Lord bless this conference this day. Let us pray together. Dear Lord, our gracious God and our loving Heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank Thee and we praise Thee for this time that we have this day to rejoice in Thy truth, to remember that Thou art the God who is over all and forever blessed, the God who is sovereign, the God who is our Creator, the God who is our salvation. We owe all to Thee, the God who is great and greatly to be praised and greatly to be feared. Oh, dear Lord, we do pray that all that we do and say for the rest of this day will be done in the fear of the living God. For how blessed are they who fear the Lord. Oh, Lord, we praise thy holy name. And, Lord, we ask all these things in our Saviour's name and for his sake. Amen. <laughs>